Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. Revelation chapter 1 verse 18. Jesus is like preaching a message. And he says this. He says, I am the living one. I died. But look again. I'm alive forever and ever. Like somebody should say amen right there. Right? And he says this, and I hold the keys of death into the grave. Now, let me just say this. That's important because in our world today, there are a lot of people with different religious beliefs. And and there's this thing in our culture today that says, you know what? There's multiple ways to get to God. And, and, And there's multiple ways that you can get to heaven. And Jesus makes this claim in scripture. And he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And Jesus makes this audacious claim in scripture that says, you know what? There's no other way to heaven except for through me. There's no other way to God except for through Jesus. And so the reality of it is that Jesus says, I'm the only way to get to heaven. I'm the only way to get to eternal life. I'm the only way to get to God. And this is so important because every other religion in the world, the founder of that religion is dead. But what makes us different as Christians is the founder of our faith was dead. Come on, I know it's not the 6 p.m. fire service, but can we just Friday night like, like we serve a God who was dead, but he says this, but I'm alive again and I've come to take over. I've come to establish. Okay, wait, all right, save that because we get, oh man, the carpet slided because we're going to get into this. Watch this. Watch what he goes on to say. He goes on to say that I've taken over the keys of death into the grave. And here's why that's so important. Because what he is saying is this. You will never face something that I haven't already overcome. He's saying there's nothing that is ever too complicated or too heartbreaking that I have not already overcome. And here's what I want you to do. If you have your notes, would you take those out? They're in your brave guide. They look a little something like this. Come on, would you take those out? I want to give you something on Good Friday 2019 that I believe will help you as you continue to live your life out this year. Here's what I want you to know. that The main thought tonight is simply this, is no death is ever final. When it comes to God, no death is ever final, which means this, that no matter what situation you're walking through, that situation does not have the final say. God has the final say. There's nothing in your life. There's no heartbreak. There's no broken dream. There's no lost hope that has the final say. But Easter reminds us that God alone has the final say, because here's the thing. There's no death that's ever final because, you know, Jesus makes this claim and then he goes on and then. In John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, I really want to just park this message tonight on this story because Jesus in John 11 is on his way to go heal a man who has literally died. His name is Lazarus, and he has suffered a physical death. But on his way to Lazarus to raise this man up from the dead, he comes across three people. And these three people were very much alive physically, but they had suffered an internal death. And here's what I believe on Easter this, this year is that there are many of us in this room that you have suffered an internal death. Like many of us, I mean, you you don't have to live very long in order for something inside of us to die. 
because of a decision we've made or something that so, a decision someone else made on our life. And here's what I believe tonight. I believe that tonight is a night that God wants to resurrect something back in your life again. I believe that this is a perfect night. I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about yesterday, but all we have is right here tonight. Why don't we just open our heart and say, God, you can resurrect something in my life that used to be dead. Come on, is there anybody here tonight that is willing to say, I'm ready to live again? So check this out. John 11 says this, now a man named Lazarus was sick and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, let me just say this. This is a family that Jesus was close to. This was a family that Jesus loved. This is a family that Jesus had close relationship, like Jesus was someone that didn't have very many friends, but these would be people that Jesus would consider his friends. I find this comforting, this first part of this verse, because it shows us that even Jesus understood what devastating news was. Because he loved them. Scripture says this, that the one you love is sick. Perhaps this was even Jesus' best friend. Like perhaps this was the person that Jesus would somehow talk to during, you know, transitions of going from city to city and healing people. Perhaps if it was today, Lazarus would be the one that Jesus would be on IM messaging saying, yo, bro, you would not believe what just happened in this city. Like it is crazy. Blind eyes are opening. Dead people are coming back to life. They were this close. And it's something that in this dead situation, it even touched the heart of our God. So check this out. John chapter 11, verse number four. When Jesus heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. I really believe that this ought to stir your faith at a deeper level because you know what? A lot of us, when we think of Christianity, we think, well, man, if I go to church, if if I'm a Christian, then then life is going to be perfect. But can I tell you, the Bible never said that. Like just because you are a Christ follower does not mean that everything is going to be like a bed of roses. Come on, somebody. Anybody lived more than a half a minute who's a Christ follower that would say amen to that? You know, it's like, man, I follow Jesus and man, things got tough. And it's interesting because here, Scripture says this, this sickness will not end in death. But still, there was a heartbreaking situation that Jesus was living through. And you say, well, Pastor David, why is it that I'll follow Christ and still suffer some harm and some, some devastating news at times? Because the Bible says this, that you and I have an enemy. In John 10, 10, it says, you have an enemy who hates your life. He hates anything that you're successful at. In fact, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything about you. He wants to steal your career. He wants to kill your hopes. He wants to take your dreams. He wants your family, y'all. Come on. He hates everything that is good and everything that is God inside of you. It's important that you know that because here's what I want you to write down in your notes. Jesus didn't say that life would not involve death. He said it wouldn't end in death. Jesus never said that there would not be hard times in life. But here's what he said. Those hard times will not be the end of you. You will overcome those hard times. Come on, you will overcome that death. You will overcome that heartbreak. And so check this out. I love this. He goes on to say in John chapter 11 verse 4. Well, why would God do that? Because it says... So that God's glory may be glorified through that situation. Do you know why you go through tough times even as a believer? It's because God wants to get glory out of your life. Because you know what? If everything in your life was always went your way, then there would be no testimony. But when you go through suffering, 
When you go through trials, and look, God doesn't take you and lead you in those things, but God is with you in those things. Like, God doesn't, like, make bad things happen to you. Because, like, sometimes people say, well, man, why did God do this to me? God never did anything bad to you. But you know what God will do? God will trust you with a situation. And he wants to glorify himself. So look, if you're here tonight and you're going through a tough time, God wants to know, will you push through the pain so that you can see the power of his presence in your life? Because here's the reality. As you keep pushing through, people around you are going to look at you and say, man, I would have given up. I would have collapsed. I would have been destroyed. But look at them. They're still holding on. And then when you get through to the other side, they're going to see the power of your God. And they're going to say, give me some of that. Give me some some of that so so watch this you got to see this you got to see this because it goes on to say this now now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus so when he heard that Lazarus was sick he stayed where he was two more days everyone say two days and then he said to his disciples all right let's go back to Judah now pause there for a minute because Lazarus is dead he gets word Jesus loves Lazarus and so I'm thinking if Jesus really loves him he would have like sprinted to this place to like heal him before he died. Or like Jesus is Jesus, right? Like who are we kidding? Jesus doesn't need to run. Like Jesus is like, here I am. What do you need? You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> like I'm thinking Jesus is going to be like, oh, he's sick. Let's just go. But it's interesting what he does. He waits. He waits two extra days. Lazarus is already dead for two days. And the disciples are like, Jesus, let's go. And Jesus is like, nah, let's just hang out here for a little bit. And the disciples are probably like, cool, because I really like the pool that we're at right now. It's a really cool place. And so look what happens. They go on to say, and then his disciples said, well, then let's go, let's go back to Judah. Let me, let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a time where you wanted Jesus to move, but he didn't move? Like, has there ever been a time where you prayed a prayer and expected God to move? And he said, I'm just going to stay here for a little bit. Like, have you ever prayed and you're like, some of you are here even tonight on Easter. And you're like, yeah, because I haven't been here since last Easter. Because you know what? God didn't answer my prayer, so I don't believe in him. Because sometimes we will pray a prayer and we don't see God move the way we want him to move. And so that causes all kinds of emotions inside of us. But here's what I want you to know tonight. Write this down in your notes. When it feels like God is doing nothing, you better rest assured that God is doing something. Like when you feel like God isn't moving, can I tell you, God does his best work behind the scenes, behind the curtain, when nobody else is looking. We say, well, pastor, why would he wait then? Here's what we know. Theologians say this, that there was a Jewish custom in that time. It's not biblical. In fact, it's anti-biblical. It's not true at all. But there is a, a, a Jewish tradition back in this day that when someone died, they believed that the body would be rested in like a tomb or some area where the family would visit and their spirit would just like hover over the body for three days. So what they were doing is they were expecting that that spirit could go back into the body and come back to life. So all the other miracles that Jesus did when he was raising people from the dead, they were miracles, but people weren't really blown away by them because all they thought was, well, Jesus just took his spirit and stuffed it back in his body and we knew that could happen anyway. But the Jewish custom says this, after four days... Like, it's too late. There's no hope. Like, Lazarus is not dead. Lazarus is dead, dead. Like, you thought there wasn't more after dead? Yeah, there is. There's dead, dead. And that's where Lazarus is. Lazarus is like, 
dead. There's no hope. There's no way. Even their customs, which were crazy about this, they were like, man, there's no way that this could happen. Can I tell you, God is a God that he loves to walk into situations where you would say, you know what? It's impossible. It will never happen. Your friends, your family will say, I give up. There's no hope. I'm not going to pray a prayer anymore. I'm not going to believe anymore because we serve a God who says, I will work and I will make things possible when it's never possible. Come on, is there anybody here tonight that would say, I have a little bit of faith that my God is not finished with me yet? So, so watch this, watch this. I, I love this, I love this. So it goes on to say this, in verse number 11. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has just fallen asleep. He's talking to his disciples. But I'm going to go there and I'm going to wake him up. And his disciples replied, watch this, I love this. Lord, if he sleeps, he'll just get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Have you ever had like, have you ever been trying to talk code to somebody and they just don't get it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like you're with your friends and like someone's doing something, you're like. And then they ruin it. They're like, what'd you just say? Like, Bro, what are you doing? You know? Or like you're at dinner and like someone's doing something, like you're at family dinner, like some of you going to be there like tomorrow for brunch and some family's like just acting out and everything. You're like squeezing someone under the table and they're like, what? <laughs> That's like what happened here with Jesus. Jesus is like talking code and he's like, hey guys, he's just asleep. And he was thinking like, they're going to be like, oh, Jesus is about to do something awesome. But they're like, well, then why do we need to go, Jesus. Let him just sleep it off. And I love what Jesus does. Jesus comes back and Jesus says, says this verse number 14. So he told them plainly, idiots. I added that part. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Why? So that you may believe. But because you're crazy, let's just go to him. Can I tell you, there are things in your life that God will let die. But the reason why he lets it die is because there's a miracle on the other side. And on the other side of that miracle is your belief. You see, some of us came to Christ because you were going through a tough situation. Some of you came to church for the first time one year, several months ago, last week. And it's because you're going through a hard situation. And had it not been through that hard situation, you would have never believed or wanted God. But it was the pain that drove you to the one who could do the miracle. You see, so he, he goes on. And, and here's what I want you to write down in your notes. You see, the Lord hates what has happened to you, but he will use it to work through you. The Lord hates what has happened to you, but he will use it to work through you. So Jesus begins his journey. And for the next like 10 minutes, I want to share these three people with you. On his way to resurrect someone physically, he resurrects three things in people's lives internally. Are you ready? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Here's the first one. John chapter eleven sixteen. So this is Jesus on his way. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus. Let me just stop there for a minute. Let's not just ignore what I just read right there. 
Because some of you thought that Sean Combs invented Diddy. No. It was in the Bible first, yo. Like, and if you ever want to know how to change your name, let me show you how to change your name. Like, it started out as, go ahead, Sean Combs. Then it goes to Sean Puffy Combs. Then Puff Daddy. P. Diddy. And Diddy. (laughs) That has nothing to do with my message at all. That's just my ADD working a little bit while I'm studying God's Word. So T. Diddy, Thomas Diddy, in the Bible, says this. (laughs) Can't believe I just dropped Diddy on Good Friday. Welcome to Brave Church. Here's what he says. T. Diddy goes, let us also go that we may die too. Jesus really knows how to pick his friends. Jesus is like, guys, he's not really sleeping. He's dead. And then Thomas is like, oh my gosh, we're not going to go there. If he's dead, we're going to die too because whatever Lazarus had is probably contagious, Jesus. So you're going to take us there? And Jesus is like, my gosh, where did I find you guys? Like, what is wrong with you? You're supposed to support your Savior. Look what happens. Look what happens. You see, T. Diddy... He suffered from an internal death. And some of us in this room are suffering from it too. Write this down in your notes. It's a death from doubt. You see, Thomas doubted that Jesus could do the miracle. In fact, in that moment, Thomas doubted that Jesus was the Son of God. And can I tell you, there's some of you in this room today, you hear me talking about the miracles of Jesus, but you doubt. And can I tell you, God is big enough for your doubt. In fact... Thomas took on this nickname of Doubting Thomas, and Jesus did not go, bro, you doubt? You need to get out of here. No, Jesus said, oh, man, you're doubting? Well, let me prove myself to you. And can I tell you, if you're suffering from a death of doubt in this room today, and you're doubting God, can I tell you, Jesus is not afraid, he's not put off, he's not offended by your doubt. No, instead, he wants to draw you closer to him tonight. He wants you to know he loves you, and he's going to prove himself. He's going to put his power on display for you. to show up and show off in your life. You see, there's a mantra, though, that goes with doubt. Write this in your notes. It's a mantra that we have. And the mantra is this, I have to see it to believe it. Well, if you're going to raise him from the dead, I have to see it first, and then I'll believe it. And there are some of us in, that, in this room that you have that mantra with God. Well, I'll believe in God if I see God move. But what if we could flip the script tonight, and we won't say, you know what, I'll believe it. Or if I see it, I'll believe it. What if we could flip it and say, you know what, I'm going to believe it until I see it. I'm going to believe that God can heal me, and I'm going to believe until I see him heal me. I'm going to believe that God can restore me, and I'm going to believe it until I'm restored. I'm going to believe that God can set me free of an addiction, and I'm going to believe it until I no longer want that substance. I'm going to believe God for my future, and I'm going to believe until I see You see, it's that kind of dogmatic perseverance that you begin to see the miracles of God. The reality is some of us, you gave up too early because you didn't see it and so you stopped believing. And Thomas had this viewpoint. But here's what I want you to know. 
no death is ever final. Come on, I'm going to keep saying that tonight because I want you to get that in your heart. No death is ever final. Now, here's the second character. Look at this in John 11:20. 20. It says this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Everyone say Mary. Mary. All right, so we have Lazarus. We have T. Diddy. Come on, say T. Diddy. T. Diddy. That way no one can be mad because now we've all said it. <laughs> and we have Mary. Mary. Ma- Mary's interesting because you know what the thing with Mary is? Mary at one point had great faith. You may not have known this, but in this story, she's doubting Jesus. But this is the same Mary who took a bottle of the most expensive perfume that there was and anointed the feet of Jesus. This is the same Mary that people were like criticizing her, saying, why would you anoint the feet of Jesus and wash his feet with your hair? Why would you take an entire year of income of of perfume and and waste it on Jesus? And she didn't care what people think. She was that passionate for God. But now we find later in the Bible that she is someone that is doubting God and she is someone that is hurting. And here's what the death that she, she encountered and some of us do too. And it's the death of discouragement. And there's some of us in this room that you've been discouraged by God, that you've just given up. And the mantra for being discouraged with Jesus is simply this. Why keep fighting? Like, why keep trying to like, move up in my career? Because no one ever sees my potential, so I give up. Why keep believing God that my kids are going to change? Because I don't see any change, so I give up. Why keep fighting for this relationship? Because the relationship is never going to change. And we give up. And we develop this mentality of, you know what? Why keep fighting when we are discouraged? But can I tell you tonight, no death is ever final. In fact, in John 11, chapter 17, it says this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And now we're introduced to the third character. Her name is Martha. Everyone say Martha. And it says this, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now watch this. Martha believes, but she's frustrated. And that's a lot of people in this room tonight. Oh yeah, you believe in God, but you're frustrated. You're frustrated at your current scenario. You're frustrated... Maybe at God. You're frustrated like, God, I don't understand why these things happening. And see, what Martha suffered a death of, write this down in your notes. It was a death from delay. Like she believed God, but she was frustrated. Like, I believe you could heal him. I believe that you could even do whatever you say. But Jesus, why would you wait? And some of us are there today because you're looking at some of the pieces of your life and you're looking at them and you believe in God because it's been so instilled in your heart. But you're looking at the pieces saying, God, I believe in you. But why did you wait to fix this? Like, why didn't you just do it before it all blew up? Why didn't you do it before the crescendo of the big crash? God, why didn't you just do something? Anybody ever been there where you're just frustrated at God's delay? Here's what I want you to know. Write this down in your notes. God's delay is not God's denial. You see, the reality of it is simply this. We have this mantra that says, too little, too late, God. You know what? You showed up too late, and now I don't have much left to show for it. But can I tell you, God's delays are never God's denials. Just because you don't see God working right now doesn't mean that it's too late. 
Just because you don't have the answer to your prayer that you want, can I tell you, just because God's delayed doesn't mean that God has forgotten about you. It doesn't even mean that God's not answering your prayer. But can I tell you, many times when you're waiting for God to answer your prayer, it means this. He's got something better for you than you could ever pray for. It means that he's taking extra time producing it and creating it and making it. The thing you were praying for was like a microwave dinner. And Jesus is like, I'm creating a full-on spread for you and because it's that good it's going to take some time you see we want like a fast food Jesus right like Jesus I want to pray and I want it now and Jesus says don't you understand Thanksgiving dinner takes a long time to prepare so if you want something good you need to let me work it out that's why some of you are praying for your kids and you don't understand God's got a better answer for your kids than what you're even praying for some of you that are single, you're like, man, Pastor David, I've been listening to you. I've been talking. Man, I'm not even going to the clubs anymore. I'm not picking up people. I'm not going to happy hour. And all the guys at church are losers. What is God waiting for? Come on, can we preach on a good Friday? Can I tell you something? God hasn't forgotten about you. I know other people are getting the promotion and you're like, I work harder than them. I show up to work and that joker can't even add two plus two. What is God doing? God's just creating something better for you behind the scenes. His delay is not his denial. His delay is not his denial. His delay is not his denial. Is there somebody in this room tonight that would say, God, I'm okay to wait. Because here's the thing, there are some people that even have a ministry dream. And let me tell you something. Some people think like, man, when I get in the ministry, it'll all make sense. No, sometimes when you get in ministry, it's like all of a sudden it's like, what in the world, Jesus, are you doing? And there are times, watch this. We even have like a ministry dream because there are people all up in this room. That God's gifted you with ministry. And you know what? You settled because God was trying to prepare something better for you and you took the first opportunity that came at you and you're frustrated everybody around you is frustrated because when your life is not in perfect alignment with God everybody else knows but you I wonder how many of us in different scenarios of our life we have allowed God's delay to cause us to settle for the second best. I've come here tonight to tell you God's preparing something for you. It's not over. Nothing's final until God says it's final. I don't know what you came in here with tonight. I don't know what you came in here dealing with. But this story, this resurrection story, when there was death, because you see on Good Friday, what we remember is the death of Jesus Christ. And, and I believe that Good Friday is so significant because it helps us identify with the dead things in our life maybe even dead faith maybe you're here tonight and you used to believe and you used to be on fire for God but to be honest you just like grown cold and let me tell you something tonight is a good night to let that dead thing come back to life one more time because here's the thing no death is ever final and so Martha goes on to say can I have two more minutes watch this she says but I know now that even God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha answered. I love her answer. Jesus, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She gets all lippy with Jesus. 
Like, Martha is feisty. Like, Jesus, like, he's going to rise again. She's like, I know. I know the prophetic words, Jesus. I know he's going to rise again. That's not what I'm talking about. And I love how Jesus, he's not even phased by that. Look what he goes on to say. Jesus said, Martha, no, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. And Martha, you didn't even realize you were waiting for a day for him to raise again. But you didn't even know my presence in this room is resurrection power. My presence in your house is resurrection power. What you didn't even realize, you're looking at resurrection. You're listening. And I've come here to tell you the presence of God is in this room and resurrection power is available to you. Watch this. I love this. He goes on to say, verse 26, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asked her this question. Do you believe this? Now what's crazy is, after this conversation, the very next verse in John eleven thirty three, 33, it's the shortest verse in the entire Bible. It says this, and Jesus wept. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is weeping. Yeah. You know what that shows us? The thing that breaks your heart breaks God's heart. Yeah. That shows us how much your Savior loves you. Come on, God is not some some statue fixated in a church someone he loves you tonight our god is actively involved he loves you tonight come on he loves you tonight and then he goes on in verse 39 he goes take away the stone he said which means this remove anything that will block you from his power remove anything in your life that will keep you from me in john 11 43 and when he said this jesus called in a loud voice lazarus come out I love this because theologians believe this. Come on, are you with me tonight? They believe this, that that the reason why Jesus said his name was because if Jesus had just walked into that graveyard and said, come out! It would be like the walking dead up in their bodies. Just... Jesus is like, no, 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 not you. And they're like, okay. You know calls him by his name you know why that's so important watch this because jesus knows your condition but he's calling you by your name jesus knows how bad you messed up today but he still calls you by your name he doesn't label you by your failure he labels you by your potential he knows you blew it he knows you're not perfect he knows how you sin he knows your addiction he knows your bad temper but he still loves you he still calls you by your name he still has forgiven you and he still has grace for you that is so important because the bible says this that even the righteous fall seven times a day but they get back up and by the grace of God tonight let me tell you something we have the power of the resurrected Savior somebody needs to give God a shout of praise yeah 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 he knows your condition but he calls you by your name 
Let me tell you something. The creator of the universe knows your name. And his grace is so rich. It is so powerful. Let me show you a picture. I talked about this several months ago, but I thought it was so fitting. I had to share it with you again. Death Valley is a place, it's one of the hottest, driest, most cracked areas in the entire U.S. Let me show you a picture of Death Valley. Look at this picture. And this is Death Valley. It's never rained there. It's all death. Nothing grows there. If you're there, you're going to die. Unless you can call Uber or something. I don't know. It's just a dry place. It's a dead place. And there's a famous journalist who took this picture. And in 2004, something incredible happened. And in 2004, it rained seven inches. Never had it rained there before. Seven inches, it rained. After the rain was gone, it still looked like this. No, the other one. That one. It still looked like that after seven inches. And in fact, an entire year and a half passed. And on Easter weekend of 2005, that same valley looked like this. I am so obsessed with those two pictures because what it shows me is this. Death Valley was not dead after all. Death Valley had some seeds underneath the dry and broken surface. Death Valley had life just sitting right underneath it. And let me tell you something tonight. There are many of us in this room, you came in here dry and broken. Maybe life has broken you. Maybe situations have broken you. Maybe they've killed your hopes. Maybe they've killed your dreams. But I believe that it is not dead. Your faith is not dead. Your hope is not dead. Your future is not dead. You may be here and say, well, man, I'm too old. I can never do anything great with my life I've come here to tell you that what I've been praying the greatest part of your life what I've been praying what I have been praying for tonight is that this would be a moment like what happened in 2004 with Death Valley where God would just rain down in your life and that his presence would get in between the cracks of your dry broken heart and it would begin to water something inside of you that would begin to grow again. You say, well, Pastor David, what's going to grow? The awareness of God in your life. Do you know what God wants this Easter? He wants you to know Him. And for you to see His power working in you and through you to make a difference in our world. And tonight that's going to happen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you say... Man, Pastor David, I've come in here tonight and I've had doubt, maybe discouragement, maybe I've just been frustrated at God at the delay of the dream. And tonight I want God's presence just to, to fill my life and I want dead things to come back to life again. If that's you, with no one looking around, you say, would you just pray for me that the dead things in my life, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's finance, maybe it's career, maybe it's your university and your studies at school, maybe your joy is just gone, your peace is gone, you're, you're like you're living in fear and you just want to be bold, you want strength. Whatever it is tonight, I believe that you will experience the, the resurrection power of our God. So if that's you, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want you to just lift your hand boldly right now. Come on, yeah, all across this room. 
So good. Yeah, thank you. You can put your hand back down. Let me pray with you tonight. And if this prayer is for you and you just raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand because you were scared or whatever, come on, I want you to, I want you to just receive this prayer for you in your life right now. Come on, would you say, Jesus, tonight I ask you to bring the dead things back to life. God, I thank you for your power. And I invite your power into my life. I thank you so much that you alone can make all things new again. And I receive that in Jesus' name. Now listen, with every head bowed, I still close. Watch this. The greatest thing that could happen here tonight is when people cross from death to life with their eternal soul. Can I tell you, what better night than on a good Friday night to finally just say yes to God and say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior and I need you to forgive me of my sins. And Maybe you're here and you've never prayed that prayer before. Can I tell you, tonight is your night. Or maybe you've prayed that prayer and you've said yes to Jesus, but you've walked away from God and you know it. You know you're not close to God. Like He is maybe a religion to you, but it's not a relationship. Or maybe it's not even religion. Maybe He's just someone you go to in crisis. And maybe He's just someone that is just there for comfort when you need Him. But can I tell you, tonight is a great night to start over again and say, yes, Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. I don't want to just believe in you. I want to believe on you in everything in my life. And if that's you, all across this room, you say, I need Jesus to forgive me my sins and I want to ask Him to be my Savior. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and boldly put it up and put it right back down. Come on. One, two, three. Let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you so much. Amazing. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Let's give God praise. Yeah. Come on. Let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, today I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I say yes to you. Would you be my Lord and my Savior? Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your truth. And tonight, I say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, come on, let's give a proper, just man, celebration for people coming home saying yes to Jesus. Yeah. Come on, Brave Church, we can do better than that. Yeah. Woo. Amazing. Grab a seat real quick. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, when I, when I dismiss, one of our pastors is going to come up and just share with you your next steps. And I want you to pay attention to those next steps because it's going to help you grow in your faith. But tonight is a special night because we're going to do communion. So would you take out your communion cup? And I want you to know something, that communion at Brave Church is open to everybody. Like, you don't have to be a member here. You don't have to pay to take communion. Like, people ask that all the time. Like, do I have to pay? No, you don't have to pay anything. Like, communion is open. Salvation is free. Come on, somebody. And so... If you didn't receive your communion, come on, would you lift your hand real quick? Our host team is going to just serve you super fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just lift your hand real quick, real quick. Yeah, keep it up until you have it. They're coming. People are coming everywhere. Yeah. You know what? It, it's, it's funny. Several years ago, it's probably like five years ago, I, I discovered something um, about this the department store called Nordstrom's. And um, we had received like this gift card and we bought, um, <laughs> it's funny because I went to the store and I bought Natalia some shoes. 
And when I bought her these shoes, she, she got these shoes. And within one month, like they were expensive shoes. Come on, somebody. Nordstrom. And with one month, the shoes were falling apart. And I'm like, it's all a lie. We should have gone to Marshalls. You know what I'm saying? Sorry if you work at Nordstrom's. Um, and so I'm like, man, we've got to return these shoes. And so I started looking everywhere for the receipt. Because how many of you know the receipt is like gold? Like, you got to have the receipt. And so I heard that they have this policy at Nordstrom's. I don't know if I should tell you this or not. But, like, they'll take anything back if you got the receipt. And so I was kind of embarrassed because I have these shoes. And I have the receipt. And then I'm going into the store. And I'm trying to convince, like, the sales clerk that these are brand new shoes. Like, she wore them three times. And so I'm kind of embarrassed to open the box and show it to him because they're going to believe like, yeah, we just wore them. We know the policy. Sure. And you're the pastor at the church. Great. You know, kind of a thing. And so I, I take the box and I said, look, my daughter wore these like three times. They're only a month old. They began to fall apart. And she goes, do you have the receipt? And I was like, yeah, I gave her the receipt and she didn't even open the box. She's like, cool, I'll return them. And I found out something about Nordstrom is that if you have the receipt, it is a power for the exchange. Some of you wonder, what is communion? What you hold in your hand is a receipt. It is a powerful reminder that we can exchange our death for his life. That we can exchange our brokenness for his healing. That we can exchange our illness for his touch on our life. He, we can exchange all of our hopelessness for his hope. So as you hold this receipt, come on, this is a receipt of what God did for us. Man, there's power in that, y'all. Come on, as you hold this, I want you to open up this first little part right here. Help me out. How many of you are having difficult with the cup? Help me out. We'll do that to fill this awkward moment. Thank you. Come on, would you take the bread? Jesus is with his disciples. And they're at this table. It's called the Last Supper. And it was the last time he would eat with his friends, his disciples, before his death. And Jesus is there. And he feels the weight. Because Jesus knew what they would do to him. They, he knew that they would beat him. That they would rip off his skin that they would rip his beard that they would just mutilate him but still still he wanted to show his disciples how much he loved humanity and so he said guys take the bread so they take the bread and they broke it and he says i want you to take the bread and eat the bread and remember it's for my body that's about to be given to you so if you have the bread come on would you take the bread come on let's pray Jesus, we thank you so much for your body. Here on Good Friday, we remember your body that was bruised, that was abused, that was just completely destroyed. And we pause in our busy schedules. We pause in the hectic pace of life to say thank you for the body, the body of Christ. If you would open up this next part. Jesus took the wine. And he poured it and he distributed it. His disciples were like, Jesus, what's going on? And he's like, you're going to know. Because my blood is about to be shed for humanity. And can I tell you something? Man, this is so powerful because it's the blood of Jesus that forgives us of our sins. Like some people are like so put off by like a, 
the cross and like man it's just too graphic and I I have to be honest with you like watching the passion of the Christ man it's difficult but can I tell you it was necessary because Jesus let his blood be spilt you and I have forgiveness you have hope and there's nothing in your life that you're facing that you cannot overcome listen there is nothing that is going to destroy you if you are like have the blood of Jesus on your side and I want to say tonight I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus because it covers us it washes us and it cleanses us and Jesus said drink the wine and do this in remembrance of me because I'm about to pay a price and so can we just thank God for the blood that was shed Jesus thank you for your blood that was shed God we just thank you that you allowed yourself to suffer at such an extent so that we can have life and so Jesus we take this cup in remembrance of you and we give you praise in Jesus name amen come on just take the cup come on and if there's anybody here tonight that you would say I'm so thankful for the cross of Jesus come on can we give God just one more just shout of praise tonight come on Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.